This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. Good evening, good evening. Big Thursday night here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you had a wonderful day. We're so glad you're with us tonight here on Sports Talk for the next two hours. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. If you'd like to join in, it's the Thursday night before a big weekend of sports here in South Carolina. Of course, you do have the USC women, the number one ranked team in the country. Only undefeated team left in the country. They're at home tonight to take on Ole Miss. First game without Camilla Cardoza. So how will they handle that? Good test tonight for that with Connecticut coming in on Sunday afternoon to see how Don Staley and company adjust to not having their big center available for the next two games tonight against, uh, did I say Ole Miss? I think it's uh, Missouri, not Ole Miss, sorry. It's uh, Missouri tonight. And not a very good Missouri team record-wise. A Missouri team that used to be pretty good, used to give the South Carolina women a bit of a tussle, but they're not having a real good year this year. So this could very well be another walkover for South Carolina at home. Uh, We'll hear from Mike Morgan tonight in his normal slot. Today over at USC, we had a chance to interview as many of the transfer football players that you could get to in about a two-hour period. Kudos to USC for uh, making the guys available and spreading it out to give us a chance to go uh, one-on-one. And we'll hear tonight from former and now new USC defensive end Gilbert Edmond. Of course, interesting story. Probably goes down in history when you think about it, right? In the era of the transfer portal, John. He is the first Gamecock to use the portal, John, to leave and then to use the portal, John, to come back, right? Nobody else has done that. Nobody else has left and come back that I can think of in the few years we've had the portal, John. So he goes down in history as that, and he should help the Gamecocks at uh, the edge rush position. That's what his skills are basically built around, getting to the quarterback. And he was a guy that, you know, he improved over his years at South Carolina. He was – Signed as a freshman in 2020, signed by the Will Muschamp crew, and eventually became a starter. Then he transferred for last season. Had a lot of family reasons to do so. He's uh, he's from Florida, so he was getting back closer to home. And he didn't start at Florida State. He was a reserve, but he played a good bit and was a good player for them. And now he's coming back to South Carolina as an older head. That's the one thing that... I took away from talking to seven different players. I mean, these are all older guys now. Uh, These are guys like uh, Demetrius Knight. Really enjoyed talking to him, the transfer from Charlotte, who began his career at Georgia Tech. I mean, he's a married man, a father of one with a second on the way. These are older fellas now. If you used your COVID year, if you used a redshirt year, uh, you've been in college uh, five, six years, so – 
you're, what, 23, 24. Typically, you're moving on with your life if you're not involved with uh, with sports. So uh, good good conversation with him. I think he'll be a good player for the Gamecocks. I tell you, after being there and listening to the guys and seeing them and all that, I, I uh, you know, when all this was happening at the very outset, uh, I was one of those who was like, uh, oh, the sky is falling on college athletics and these guys you know they're all about themselves and they're ruining the game et cetera, et cetera. but you know after being around them and hearing some of their stories i i get it um they have the opportunity under the current rules to move freely without restriction and so they're taking advantage of it just like coaches i mean one of the players i was talking to you know his coach left his position coach left took another job and he wanted to go somewhere where he might have a chance for more playing time, a new fresh start, and so he took advantage of the opportunity. So you really, you really can't blame him. And I think that uh, you know the the opportunity for a a program like South Carolina to uh, recover quickly or more quickly. With the loss of players by going into the transfer portal, John, and bringing in a bunch of players, I mean, that's a smart move by Shane Beamer. Um, He has aged his team uh, considerably with this group coming in, and he's going to get a lot of players out of this group, this transfer group. He's going to get a lot of players to help his team. I mean, um, I looked at at Goodwine, for example. Uh, See, here's a case, Markel Goodwine. Man, he's good-looking. Uh, so is the defensive tackle from Pittsburgh to see them up close. These are big, strong-looking dudes. Now, Goodwine was a man. He was a dude coming out of high school up in Maryland, up in the D.C. area. He was heavily recruited. Uh, Clemson was one of the schools that tried to get in on him back then, but he goes to Alabama. For whatever reason, it, it didn't work out for him in Alabama. You know, Of course, Alabama has great defensive linemen. Uh, you would have thought he would have fit right in and gotten his snaps and developed, but it didn't happen. So now he's moved to South Carolina, where the talent level's not nearly what it is at Alabama. So, you know, if he's got the work ethic and he's got the skills and he's got the want to, there's no reason why he can't help South Carolina on the defensive line. Same thing with any of those players that uh, made the move. So, uh, enjoy talking with those guys. We did seven interviews. We'll spread those out here over the next uh, week and a half, two weeks or so, leading up to, well, they still have a ways to go till they start their spring ball, which is what, like uh, March the March the 29th, I think, is when South Carolina's starting spring ball. It's like in, in late March. So uh, plenty of time to, to get those interviews out to you over the next uh, couple of weeks. But enjoyed being over there and uh, learned a lot. Learned a lot from <laughs> learned a lot from uh, talking to those guys. What else do we have going on? Uh, we'll have some recruiting uh, news for you coming up a little bit later on. And again, a visit from Mike Morgan, who was on the call last night down at Mississippi State as the Bulldogs uh, were winners last night in SEC play. And we'll get his thoughts on that and. Uh, his view of the the race in the SEC at this point with what happened last night with Auburn beating Alabama. You now have a three-way tie for the lead uh, in the SEC, South Carolina, Alabama, and Auburn. Those are your top three. Seeing a note here from USC Women's Basketball's 
uh, Sonia Ja will be out indefinitely due to conduct detrimental to the team. Ooh. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen anything like that coming from the South Carolina women. Uh, so I don't know much about her. I think she she a transfer. Don't know much about her, but she Sonia Jaw out indefinitely for South Carolina. That coming out just a few seconds ago. The Gamecocks will have nine players in uniform tonight. So I don't know. Maybe this could become a bit of a a problem for them. Um as they move forward toward the game with with um, Connecticut on Sunday. Phone number, 888-898-2525. Some of the other top stories of the day. We have the preseason SEC uh, poll from the coaches that uh, came out today. South Carolina was picked fourth in the East by the SEC coaches. So it is Florida, number one in the East, with um, – 11 first-place votes, followed by Tennessee, Vanderbilt, uh, South Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, and Missouri. Then on the other side, it's Arkansas, nine first-place votes, followed by LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Arkansas was the pick to win the SEC championship with nine LSU with three and Florida with two. Okay. So Arkansas with nine, LSU with three, and Florida with two uh, to win the SEC championship. Preseason All-SEC team, the first team catcher is Cole Messina of the Gamecocks and Ethan Petrie of the Gamecocks, first team outfield. And no Gamecocks named to the second team. Okay. What you got? A bit of information on Sonia Ja or Jay. She is a freshman forward, six feet tall, from Alexandria, Virginia. She played for Montverde Academy down in Florida, though. She was ranked the number 40 overall player in the class of 2023, so she is a true freshman. Earned honorable mention All-America honors after averaging 10.5 points and six boards per game as a senior. She held Montverde to the 2023 Geico High School National Championship game, scoring 15 of her 20 points in the second half, including a game-clinching three-point play with 12 seconds left. So she's very high-regarded. She, at this point, has definitely been a, been a reserve. She's averaging 3.1 points and two rebounds and about a half assist a game. Uh, but still, she's another one of those heralded freshmen. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's out tonight, out indefinitely. Uh, what else do we have? Here we go again with the, uh, you know, you can't let the, the net ranking drive you crazy if you're a Gamecock fan. Uh, after last night's results, and, of course, Clemson and South Carolina didn't play last night, but this is the results of games with teams that would impact them. Uh, Clemson moved up two spots to number 29 in the net ranking, and the Gamecocks dropped two spots to number 43. And, you know, I was looking at it, trying to figure out just why this would happen to South Carolina. And the only thing I can think of, uh, based on my uh, limited knowledge here of what's going on and just trying to put two and two together, why would South Carolina continue to drop, even though they won the other night, didn't play last night, and then they dropped two more spots. It must be that they've played uh, eight Quadrant 4 teams. They're 8-0 against Quadrant 4 teams. 3-2 and two against Qu- of Q1 teams, 5-0 and o against Q2, 4-1 and one against Q3, but eight 
of their wins have come against Q4 teams. So, I mean, when they put that into the computers and they run the metrics and all that, does that come back to to bite you when it spits out the number? I don't know what else in here uh, could lead to them uh, dropping. Uh, I mean, like, I guess Alabama, a team that beat South Carolina, Alabama loses on the road to a ranked team last night. Mm-hmm. Did that trickle down and, and hurt South Carolina? It didn't hurt Clemson. We'll see, but Alabama beat South Carolina. Clemson beat Alabama. So I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how you factor all that in. Memphis. Memphis is not helping Clemson right now. No, they are not. You know, they're, they've are they dropped considerably. So that's you – know, but that's kind of – you know, the whole thing is stupid. You should be when, – when, when Clemson beat Memphis, Memphis was really good. Yep. And they beat them at Memphis. What happens after that should be irrelevant to the Clemson win over Memphis. Just like, uh, let me give an example. Let's just say, well, South Carolina beat Tennessee when Tennessee was five, and they beat them in Knoxville. Yeah, well, hold on. By the way, Clemson lost to Memphis, by the way. Not not one. They uh, lost to Memphis on the road. I'm sorry. I was thinking of Alabama. Um, But no, regardless whether it was a win or a loss, the fact that Memphis has struggled since then Mm -hmm. should not impact – Clemson by the fact that Clemson lost a close one at Memphis. Gotcha. Um, but let's say South Carolina, they beat Tennessee in Knoxville. Tennessee's right number five. Now, Tennessee hasn't fallen off, but let's just say they had. Somehow that would impact the quality of that South Carolina win that night in Knoxville. Um, maybe injuries. Maybe injuries happen later down the road and your team begins to struggle as a result. That should not take away from what happened two weeks prior or a month prior, that game should stand on its own quality. So, I don't know. I can't figure it out, but South Carolina did drop two spots when they were sleeping. You sleep, you lose in the, in the nets. I'm with you there, Phil. And then with the RPI, it just gets even more confusing. The Gamecocks moved up two spots from 25 to 23, but this does show – I'm on Warren Nolan – and this is showing that their strength of schedule is 111 in the country, yeah. whereas they have Clemson ranked 8th. So that, again, shows Clemson's ahead of them at 15-7, and seven, number 20 overall, even though South Carolina's 20-3. and three. So that makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. I realize Clemson has the head-to-head win, and this is showing the Gamecocks 10-0 and in quad four. So to your point, I'm curious why this is showing 10-8. Well, but, but is that an RPI you're looking at? Ah, so it's quad four by yeah, the RPI, yeah, not the net. Gotcha. Yeah, different metrics. But either way, to your point, maybe that many wins against that low of quality opponent is kind of bringing down the average there. But it still seems confusing. And I would still like to point out again, just Lamont Paris. I know we can't, we don't want to give him all the roses just yet, but at this point, he's deserving of everything he's getting. Has wins over arguably the three biggest name coaches in the SEC, or at least three out of four, because you got to put Nate Oates up there, maybe even five, Bruce Pearl, but has wins over Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Chris Beard in Ole Miss, and John Calipari in Kentucky. And that, at least in my mind, holds a lot of water. And so you got you got to think maybe the Gamecocks will continue to rise, but to your point, they need some of the opponents that they've beaten to, to help out the Gamecocks a little bit. Well, in this current system, absolutely they do. Uh, Joe Lenardi did not put out a new bracket today, but he did have an update on his seeds, and he's got South Carolina on the five line. Uh, Clemson was not in any of the uh, top five seeds in in this latest uh, listing by Lenardi. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, 2024 Southern Conference Baseball Preseason Coaches Poll, and Samford is the pick to win it. 
followed by Mercer and then Wofford, and then Western and East Tennessee and Greensboro, VMI, and the Citadel. Uh, the ACC today announced a future neutral site championships, and um, they're going to be in the state of North Carolina. It appears almost everything. The basketball tournament, the men's tournament, will be in Charlotte, 25 and 26, Greensboro in 27, Charlotte in 28, and Greensboro in 29. And let's see, baseball, 24, 26, 28 will be Charlotte, 25, 27, and 29 will be Durham. Uh, Women's golf will be in Wilmington and Greensboro. Lacrosse will be in Charlotte. Women's swimming and diving will be in Greensboro. Men's and women's soccer will be in Cary. Women's basketball will be in Greensboro and Charlotte. Women's tennis will be in Cary. Gymnastics will be in Greensboro. And rowing, which has been at Clemson, rowing will be in Raleigh. So they're putting everything in the state of North Carolina the ACC. So, I don't know. Is that a is that a message to anybody in the league that Payham perhaps he will not be happy. Got to uh, think he was one of the driving forces behind the tournament being up at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn this year, I, I would think. I feel like for a number of years well, since, no, you know he's retired. I, right, but yeah. still, but still he had uh leading up to that you got to no, no, think no, the he was one of the driving forces. Tournament's in forces. Washington this year. It's in Washington. Oh, I thought the ACC tournament was at the Barclays Center. It's in D.C. Ah, yeah. we, we incorrectly said Barclays the other yeah. night. Got it. Yeah. One time I thought it was in uh, Brooklyn, but it's in D.C. It's in D.C. God, I remember yeah. us joking about how we will not be making yeah. that trip. <laughs> but we are making the trip to D.C. There we go. Smitty is going to D.C. So everything's in the state of North Carolina, though. You know, interesting. I don't know if that's a message to anybody. Clemson, Florida State. Um of course, North Carolina also voted. Wasn't North Carolina the third school to vote against expansion? Were they the third school to vote against taking Cal and Stanford? And I thought it was NC State, but I'll confirm that. Yeah, I think it was the Tar Heels. I think it was the Tar Heels. All right, what else we got? Um, out of Bristol, they're going to paint the walls at Bristol red and white for the spring race as part of a throwback vibe for the event, they are saying. They're going to put small red lines at the bottom of the wall in the turns to help the drivers discern the wall from the track. Smart. They'll return to black walls for the night race. Okay, pretty cool. Oh, back to the SEC. Today was payday around the SEC. Well, I think it's they actually hand the checks out at spring meetings. But they announced today the SEC did. Revenue distribution of $741 million to the 14 schools for the 2022-23 fiscal year, which ended August 31st of last year. The total includes $718 million distributed directly from, um, directly from, Okay, directly from. Why is it not taking me to the story? Anyway, each school is going to get about uh, 50 something, $51 million in this distribution, about $51 million. And now you'll add the, the, uh, the newcomers next year to take them to 16. But of course, the, the payout, the money is going to go up. The money is going to go up 
with the TV contracts in the future. So um, good day if you're an SEC athletics director. Well, you love to get that check. Love to get that check from the home office. Uh, today, the uh, college football playoff uh, committee um, announced uh, its new membership and its new leader, the College Football Playoff Management Committee appointed Michigan A.D. Ward Manuel as the selection committee chair for this coming season. The uh, management committee has appointed the following people to the selection committee. Patrick Chun, A.D. at Washington State. Randall McDaniel, former All-American defensive lineman at Arizona State. Gary Pinkle. Longtime head coach at the University of Toledo and Missouri. Mac Rhodes, AD at Baylor. Carla Williams, AD at Virginia. And Hunter Urichek, AD at Arkansas, formerly of Coastal Carolina. So those are the new folks going on to the selection committee. They'll be charged with putting in those at large selections to the 12-team field, those that don't automatically qualify, they'll be charged with filling out that field. They'll be the most hated people in America uh, in due time. So just uh, (laughs) be careful what you wish for, right? Be careful what you wish for. And uh, today the Panthers uh, named some some new leadership in their their coaching staff. So their new uh, defensive coordinator, well, three – uh, coordinators uh, were announced today. Uh, Ajiro Evero will be retained as defensive coordinator. And the team agreed to terms with Brad Idzig to be the offensive coordinator and Tracy Smith to be the special teams coordinator. All three coaches um, apparently impressed Dave Canales, and those are the decisions he has made to to handle those positions. I think from a defensive standpoint, right, the Panthers were not all that bad, right? No, they were one of the top defensive units in the country, which was remarkably impressive when you consider that they were paired with one of the most inept and just awful, awful offenses. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you got to think he was a big part of it. Aviro went, I believe he had multiple head coaching or at least coordinator interviews prior to this, but this is a, this is a big get by uh, new GM Arnold and David, Pe- David, David Tepper and, of course, the new coach, Dave Canales. This is a huge get for the Panthers. Yeah. All right. I think we've uh, covered everything except for basketball tonight. On the schedule tonight, you've got uh, North Carolina A&T playing at the College of Charleston. And that is the one game in the state along with the uh, – well, we got a couple of women's games. Of course, you got the South Carolina game at home tonight against Missouri. And I think we've got the Clemson women playing tonight as well. I'll tell you about that in just a second as soon as I open up my schedule here. And the Clemson women, who got a nice win on Sunday. They are playing at Miami. So tonight you've got USC women hosting Missouri, Clemson women at Miami, and the College of Charleston men home to North Carolina A&T. So coming up on the program tonight, we'll take your phone calls after the bottom of the hour break. You can reach us at 888-898-2525. We'll hear from Mike Morgan and an interview with Gilbert Edmond, South Carolina defensive end, a transfer who's coming back home to South Carolina after a season at Florida State. Have all that coming your way tonight right here on Sports Talk. want to remind you that if you're 
looking to get yourself squared away for your spring or summer vacation down at the beach at Pauley's Island or Garden City or Myrtle Beach or North Myrtle Beach or any of those spots down there, make sure you call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate. That phone number is 843-237-4246 or online at pauleysvacationrentals.com. Let Jimmy and his staff take uh, great care of you and find whatever it is that you're looking for in terms of space and in terms of budget. And, of course, if you're looking to buy property, whether it be a house or a condo, Jimmy is the man to contact as well. 843-237-4246 for your perfect beach getaway. That is James Smith Real Estate. All right, we got lines open. Welcome to take your phone calls here when we come back from this break. Big Thursday night edition of Sports Talk across the state here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back at Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And our phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. To get you into Sports Talk, lines are wide open. If you want to join us tonight, and you can jump right on board the program. And uh, coming up a little bit after 7 o'clock, Mike Morgan will be here and talk about Mike Morgan-type things. And uh, after that, do some recruiting for you. Then we'll hear from Gilbert Edmond, South Carolina transfer defensive end, who's come back home to South Carolina. You know, he was a a player out of uh, Fort Pierce, Florida. And he really wasn't a highly recruited player coming out of high school that Will Muschamp and Mike Peterson uh, recruited for South Carolina back then. He had a more highly touted teammate, that everybody wanted a linebacker by the last name of Wilson who signed with Florida but is now at Arizona. So Gilbert was kind of a a good player. He was a developmental player for sure. I remember talking to his coach. said that he had, you know, good skills and great attitude, terrific character, and it would just take some time. He got better and better during his years at South Carolina. So they're getting back a full-grown man who wants to come back and finish what he started at South Carolina. And um, he's excited about being back in Columbia and seeing if he can help the Gamecocks and help improve that defense. Looking at some of those players, I mean, Rocket Sanders, how can he not be a good player at South Carolina? Now, he's going to be out for a good part of spring as he recovers from injuries. But he was hampered last year by injuries. The year before that, he was maybe the best running back or one of the best running backs, not just in the SEC, but in the country. If he gets back two-thirds of the way to that form, boy, he's going to be big for South Carolina. But I tell you what, I really like talking to Oscar Attaway. And we'll have that interview for you a little bit uh, later on. Oscar Attaway, the transfer from North Texas. And this is what I'm talking about, the maturity 
of these guys are older. They're men. These aren't boys. They're men. And so the conversations are different. And, you know, he's not wowed by anything that he's seeing in Columbia or anything with the SEC. Um, he's, he's an older guy. I, I think he's going after his master's at South Carolina. Um, he's used to carrying the football. He wants to carry the football a lot at South Carolina, but he's also going to work within the system that they have as well. But I think that uh, they've got a good one there with him and, of course, Sanders, and then the transfer from South Carolina State, who had a very big year, but it's probably the most unheralded of the ones coming in at running back from the transfer standpoint. So they really beefed up their running back room, needed to, with these additions. So they should be much better there. And then you add a a veteran quarterback in Robbie Ashford, who, as he told, I didn't get a chance to interview him. He was gone by the time I finished up some other interviews. But he told some other reporters that, hey, look, man, my first college start was at Sanford Stadium in Georgia. So, I mean, the point is this guy has been there. He's been on the big stage. He's been in the big stadiums. The crowds, the 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 noise not going to affect him. And, and you know, he, he realizes that Lenora Sellers is going to get the first snaps with the first team and is the de facto starting quarterback at South Carolina. He gets that. But he also knows that Beamer has promised everybody a chance to compete. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to come in and compete with Sellers. He wants to compete with uh, Doty. He wants to compete with Dante Reno. And there's Davis Bevel, you know, another uh, from Pittsburgh. The Gamecocks have what? Four transfers? Well, well, Bevel came from Oklahoma, but he started out at Pittsburgh. They got like four guys who transferred who have connections to um, University of Pittsburgh. So, yeah, these guys are all hungry. They want a chance to show what they can do. For some of them, it's a last chance at glory. Uh, it's the last hurrah, and they appreciate the opportunity to come to South Carolina through the transfer portal, John, and get that chance. And, Phil, to your point, I was just reading through here, of all the transfers, if, according to On3, at least, if I have these numbers right, out of the 20 that have committed, 18 of the 20 were at least the class of 2021 or longer ago. And 12 of them were class of 2020 or 2019. The point is just to emphasize what you were saying about these are grown men. These are not boys coming in. These are fo- these are guys that are either looking for a last opportunity or another chance. But they have it together for the most part, you would think, compared to a freshman. And we've talked time and time again on this program. I don't mean to directly now loop in Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers. Mm-hmm. But we talk about teams that are more open and willing and seemingly accepting of the transfer portal and using it to their advantage, and then teams that are not. And the big difference there, I respect the way Dabo Sweeney is doing things, and he's proven that it's worked. He plug and plays guys that he needs right then. He gets the the heralded freshman that can go in, and, and that fills a position of need. But when you compare it to a team that's filling a position of need with a junior or a senior or a fifth year or a sixth year, I would argue those players are going to be significantly more game-ready on game one in September than the best five-star freshman you can get in the country coming in just because of that experience, just because of the time in the weight room let and a insert, college meal plan and so forth. Let me then, That's a good point, but let me insert Please. a counter of that. Sure. I mean, you do run across that, that, that five-star guy, guy yeah. like a Peter Woods. Sure. Now, he was ready to step in and play day one. He's the exception, not uh, the rule, and I'll well, totally give you well, that. Well, the yeah. Clemson's had a few of those on they the have. defensive line. That's, But, you know, I hear what you're saying, but – Clemson really is on a limb by itself 
when it comes to this approach as about the only major power, and I still put them in the major power category. They're a, probably the lone major power that has refused to participate in transfer portal johnning. I mean, Ohio State takes transfers. Mm-hmm. Alabama takes transfers. Uh, Texas takes transfers. On down the list. I mean, name me Michigan takes transfers. Um, TCU, that national championship run, they got to the final game. Yeah. The, a majority of their starting starters on offense and defense that year were via the transfer portal. Exactly. They rebuilt a program into a national championship caliber program in a year. If you can see, look up, if you can look up maybe the transfers going into this past season, I'd be interested to know how many Michigan took, sure. for example. And again, I want to make it clear here, too, that I don't have the article in front of me, but multiple of the high-caliber players that have committed to Clemson in this 2024 class, mm-hmm. the freshmen, it directly pointed out that one of the reasons they wanted to go to Clemson and love Dabo Sweeney and the way he recruits is that he only recruits those that he needs. He fills mm-hmm. position of need, and so he tells these guys, like, look, you're going to come in and play at X position, and you are going to have a chance to start from day one to the point you're making about the Peter Woods-type caliber player and just other guys coming in as a freshman. It's just interesting to compare the two and just the approach that Dabo Sweeney and the Tigers have taken relying more upon freshmen, and you never really know what you're going to get. Yeah, Peter Woods, he worked out, but I would still argue that that is the exception and not the rule because we've seen just as many of those highly regarded, heralded guys come in and not be ready as those that we have seen come in and be a Peter Woods. I will give Clemson credit. I mean, their batting average, especially on the defensive line. High. Very high. I mean, think about it. Go back a few years. Go back to your Dexter Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Go back to your Christian Wilkins. Uh, come on up now to Tyler Davis uh, and now to Peter Woods. And I know I'm, I'm leaving people out, but they, yep. they have not missed on many of those big-time interior defensive linemen. No, think about Grady Jarrett. How many offers did he get from major schools around the country? And talk about a diamond in the rough. But I'm talking about, now, Grady had to develop. Okay, you're talking about game Immediate. day one ready. I'm talking Got about it. walking in, day one ready, contributing from the first practice of summer of, of camp, where people say, whoa, look at this guy. Yeah. You know, He's going to be an immediate difference maker. They have a very high average of hitting on those players. Xavier Thomas, I realize, battled a lot of injuries, but even going back to his freshman year, you can still look at just about any Clemson football video, and that, that spear sack he had against Syracuse as a true freshman, mm-hmm. that's still replayed over and over. And he, was, he came out and Do was— Do you remember that? I have a weird memory. The things I remember and the things— Ask me what I had for lunch today? Yeah. No idea. Ask me something about that from a decade ago? Yeah. I can tell you in detail. Yeah. So, um, again, two different approaches. And, again, I think I'd like to know how many transfers Michigan took— I don't know if they are as active as some of the others, but pretty much everybody else among that elite crowd is very active in the transfer portal, John, except for Clemson. And that's Dabo Sweeney and Dabo Sweeney only. And, yeah, they've tried. They they have offered some players. They offered some offensive linemen this year. But they obviously are not making the kind of offer – to get these players if these players are looking for something a little bit more than just playing opportunity if they're looking for a little bit more of an investment financially from Clemson in them and Clemson's not willing to step up to the plate and do that but they have not brought in a meaningful player when I say meaningful someone who 
has gotten or will be getting major snaps in critical moments. They just haven't brought that kind of player in yet through the transfer portal, John. And I make the argument that they're about the only one of the power schools to take that position. And now looking at Michigan, this is on 247. I need to double-check this on on three. They usually are a little better with the portal. But according to 247, the 2024 class for Michigan, they only took two transfers. But you go back last year to 2023 to the players that were on this national championship. That's the one I'm looking at, yeah. Yeah, they had on that one, they had nine. Yeah. And a number of those guys played very meaningful minutes in all throughout all the way to the national championship game. So they've only taken two so far this year. Right. And one of the, yeah, that's correct. Now, one of the biggest ones they had last year, sorry, Chris Bergen, I think he pointed this out to us previously, Josiah Stewart from Coastal Carolina. And I believe he was either the top or next to top in, in terms of sacks for yeah. the Wolverines this year on their defense. Yeah. Well, I talked to Jared Brown, wide receiver from Coastal Carolina, who transferred to South Carolina. Again, here's a guy. Older guy, really good player at Coastal, and he wants a chance to play up at a higher level in the SEC to see what his talents can do for him at at that level. So, yep, Clemson continues to um, stand firm with this position on that. And you know what? If they win, if they make the playoffs, if they win an ACC championship or get into the playoffs and have a chance to win a national championship, you can't really say boo about it. But if the Tigers – continue to slide and they have slid since their last national championship game appearance you can't argue any other way if they continue then I think the pressure will continue to build on Dabo Sweeney to take advantage of this opportunity while it's there it's not going to be there forever eventually they're going to close that loophole whatever with whatever kind of deal they finally come up with whatever kind of rules they finally come up with there will be some restrictions put in place I'm sure to limit player movement, just like you have in the professional leagues. Sure. So it's going to be that way. Okay, we go to a break here on Sports Talk, and we'll be back. Phone number, 888-898-2525. And um, we will get to your phone calls. We've had some people call and then hang up. We'll try to get to you this time. But we were in deep thought there, deep thought. Chattanooga leading VMI, 45-40. That's a halftime score. In the Southern Conference, that is about the only basketball game we've got going on. And the USC women will be tipping off in about 12 minutes over the Colonial Life Arena. Be back after this break here on Sports Talk. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. 
Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep the number out of reach because they know that you won't reach the number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. is the area code. This is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash betteryou. We are back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel from our studios in downtown Columbia. Lines are open, 888-898-2525. We have got the Phoenix Open hampered by some rain today. They have resumed play. Play was stopped around, well, sometime this afternoon, resumed around uh, 4 o'clock local time out in Phoenix. What are they, two hours behind us? I think they're two hours behind us. Uh, right now, your leaderboard looks like this. Uh, Heath Thagela is your leader at six under as he plays on number 17. He just, well, actually, he's playing on the front side uh, through 16 holes. He's at six under. S.H. Kim is at five under through 14 holes. Shane Lowry is at four under. He's playing his 18th hole. Jordan Spieth. And Luke List, they are at three under par, and they're still on the course. The uh, Actually, nope, Spieth is in the clubhouse at three under par. So he is in the clubhouse. Carson Young, an even par round of 71 today. Andrew Novak is even. He's played three holes today. Scotty Scheffler is even. He's played a couple of holes. Ben Martin is even. Uh, he's still on the course. All these guys are on the course. Ben Martin is even. Um, Ricky Fowler, he is in, plus 172. Justin Thomas is on the course at plus one. Uh, Matt Neesmith, former Gamecock, has a uh, a tee off in about eight minutes. So hmm. playing the Waste Management Phoenix Open in Scottsdale, and always one of my favorite golf events just because number 16 is so crazy i hope something great happens there i hope somebody 
on Saturday or Sunday has a, a hole in one. They can get the beer shower and everything that I, I want to go to. That's a that's a bucket list absolutely event one day. That sixteenth hole really does just it's, it's the thing of legend. And I've brought this up on the show before. It reminds me so much of Happy Gilmore, which I grew up watching and loving. And now obviously that was kind of the opposite of what you expect to actually see at a golf tournament. But now we're seeing more excitement such as a tournament such as the Phoenix Open, specifically on the 16th hole. And then, of course, the Ryder Cup and events such as that. Maybe the President's Cup a little bit, but not quite as much. You see a little bit more of that exuberance and excitement and interaction between fans and players. And just that 16th hole, I just can't imagine how nerve-wracking that must be, especially imagine being an amateur or a first-time mm. professional playing mm. there. And you have all those, <laughs> all those fans mm. drunk off their behinds, screaming as loud as they can at you while you're trying to hit into a pretty small little green. The 97 event, that's when Tiger had his ace. Mm. And the PGA put out a video earlier this week, extended video, in which they detailed that with Tiger talking. And the, uh, the, the golfer ahead of him hit it to about two feet. So the place was already buzzing. Wow. And Tiger, somebody said, you know, okay, Tiger, can you put it inside that, whatever. And uh, Never challenged Tiger. He holed out, yeah. Wow. And, of course, they said the, the noise was so loud that it shook the clubhouse, which was a long way away. They could hear the noise. I bet but, that's the only fully enclosed golf hole. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. It's the only fully enclosed golf hole on the PGA Tour, and those grandstand seats, roughly 20,000 oh, people. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, and Tiger was high-fiving so hard that um, – the caddy for one of the other players told his caddy, hey, don't don't put your hand up there. He's going to break your hand. They were scared hmm. he was going to break somebody. He was so jacked. He was jacked back yeah, in, yeah. in the day. But, I mean, he was emotionally jacked. And, of course, that's when he was walking down the fairway and he was giving the fist pump. He, he was doing the raise the roof. Remember the raise the roof oh, yeah. gesture back then? Walking down the fairway, telling the folks to get loud, raise the roof. Fun stuff, fun now, stuff. Was that the same Phoenix Open where Tiger – elicited some of the fans to help him pick up and move a boulder that was in between his ball and the hole. Remember that? Mm, I don't there recall was a, that There one. was a giant rock but basically right in front of his ball, but the officials came out and basically deemed that it could be moved mm-hmm. but not by Tiger Woods. And so instead of having hit backwards or into the fairway and essentially lose a shot, a number of fans came out there and volunteered, and I think it was roughly 10, 12 guys or so, each took a little part and lifted this giant rock, oh my gosh. moved it three or four feet to the side so that then he had an unobstructed shot at the hole. I didn't know. you got to pull go. that up. It was the 1999 the Phoenix Open. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he received assistance from officials and fans in moving a boulder. It took place on the par 5 13th hole after his tee shot landed just behind this, just behind this boulder. Mm. Another note on the women's basketball game tonight from David Kloniger, who reports he's told that Haley Frank, Missouri's leading scorer, will miss tonight's game. That's her second straight with a day-to-day injury. So she's out. So that's not going to help Missouri's case whatsoever. Uh, Let's take a quick phone call before we get to the top of the hour break here. 888-898-2525. Where are we going? So we are going to Missouri. I don't think he's actually in the other Columbia, but mm. for tonight we're going to say the other Columbia, Missouri. Bruce, welcome into the program. Hello, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing just right. Uh, I'm not in Columbia, Missouri. I'm in Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. A lovely place. It's down, near, it's down near the Arkansas line. But anyway, 
you, you can call me whatever you want to. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I can't wait to see what happens with Carolina handling uh, Paige Becker and her uh, her ability to pass the ball around, blocking shots, stealing balls legally, <laughs> not faking, mm-hmm. not flopping, and it's going to be a show. It's going to be something to see. I'm just telling you. It's just going to be something to see. What's going to be uh, What's going to be the thing to see? Her doing her thing, or the Gamecocks clamping down on her and not letting her do her thing? Well, that's the thing. She can get around that. She's done that before. She has got that ability, like Pistol Pete. You couldn't stop him from passing the ball over to across across the uh, the um, you know the. Uh, uh, Floor, no oh, yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, you couldn't stop him, and that's what she's doing now. She reminds me of Pistol Pete. And anyway, I'm just going to reflect from yesterday's little call from Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry, I respect you, Holly, and you should pull for your team in any way. But uh, when I was in high school, I realized that Carolina fans don't know how to win and they don't know how to lose. Now, if you don't understand that, you must be a Carolina fan. They, they were, he was concerned more about Clemson beating North Carolina mm. than he was about Carolina winning their game. So getting to the point is he, doesn't, he won a game, but he, he didn't lose a game. But he don't know how to lose either. Well, I just think he anyway. was. I think, and, and we got to go. Thank you. I, I just think he was having double joy. For him, it was it was a double victory that he was celebrating. Anytime Clemson loses, that's a win for him. And of course, on top of that, the Gamecocks winning. I hear what you're saying. I think Gamecock Larry's just having a little fun at Tiger fans' expense. Top of the hour. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk. On the Sports Talk Media Network, you can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk. Sports Talk Media Network on a Thursday night. Good to have you with us. Those of you who've been with us from the start, appreciate it. Those of you just joining us, glad to have you with us. Coming up in just a moment, Mike Morgan will be with us. And also we'll hear from USC defensive end Gilbert Edmond. Uh, If you missed the first hour, we talked about a number of different things, including the payout of over $51 million for the last fiscal year from the SEC to its 14-member teams. That number is going to go up in terms of the total take, but, of course, um, it'll be divided by 16 teams. But then again, the individual take is supposed to go up as well. USC women's basketball team underway with their game tonight at home against Missouri, and Missouri has taken the early 6-2 lead on South Carolina and Missouri has hit uh, two of their first four. The Gamecocks, one of their first five. The Gamecocks starting tonight. Pow Pow, Watkins, Kitts, Hall, and Johnson. All right. And uh, we'll have recruiting coming up for you 
uh, just a little bit as well. So uh, Mike Morgan, Morgan on the move. Uh, He joins us now here on Sports Talk. And Mike Morgan is brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. For 35 years, Gary has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood. Your auto, home, life insurance, and business insurance can all be handled by Gary. When he's not refereeing ACC football games, he's spending countless hours helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. Go check out GaryPatterson.net today. Gary will go over the best plans for you and your family. That's GaryPatterson.net. Sponsored by Love Chevrolet. No hassles, no all-day runarounds, no ridiculous add-on stickers. At Love Chevy, buying a car is fun. South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer. I-26 at Harbison and at LoveChevy.com. Find new roads. Mike Morgan joining us now, fresh from his trip down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, No, down to Starkville, Mississippi. What am I thinking? Mississippi State's where he was last night. Mississippi State getting the the home win. And Mike on the call for ESPN last night. And welcome in, sir. When you go down to um, Starkville out of Atlanta, do do you fly to Columbus or do you drive it down there? I'm sorry. What now? When you make the trip to, uh, <laughs> when you make the trip to Starkville, do you typically drive it or do you fly it? Oh gosh, no. I uh, well, I typically uh, fly from Atlanta to what they call GTR, which is, stands for Golden Triangle, which is the very definition of a no frills airport. Mm. Um, I think they have a place to land the plane. I think, or either that, or we just go in like an open field. And then we, you know, you, there's no tarmac. You just, you just walk off the plane, grab your luggage. And there's like uh, two rental car stations. They may or may not have cars. Uh, there's a vending machine from like 1978. Uh, still get like a Zagnut bar. And then you uh, get on your way and you drive 20 minutes to Starkville. Yeah. Is your pilot, is his name Mr. Haney? I don't know Mr. Haney. No, I believe his name was Otto. Uh, he was on autopilot. <laughs> you know, Haney Airlines from uh, Green Acres. You remember Mr. Haney? I, I don't remember. You're a little bit older than me, Phil. I don't, I, you don't, I can't quote you a character from Green Acres. You didn't watch Green Acres growing up? My goodness. Check it out. Green you, Acres was not on. No. Always a good job to keep up with that uh, 75 and older demographic that you're killing it with. Uh, but you've never seen Seinfeld, but you're quoting Green Acres characters. Very nice. I thought he was bringing up Travis Haney, thinking uh, maybe he was a pilot now for you. No, he might be. Yeah. What did you think of, um, well, two things. Uh, Mississippi State winning at home. But what about Georgia? Uh, they're in a slide now. At one point, they looked like a hot team. Looks like now they're playing their way out of the tournament. Well, I was watching an I Love Lucy marathon, so I really didn't pay much of attention to that. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, that's right. I did the game. Let's see. Uh, George is going through a tough time. Yeah. In fact, uh, I'm actually going straight to uh, Fayetteville tomorrow, speaking of uh, interesting uh, airports. Yeah, really. Uh, and Georgia's taking on Arkansas. That really becomes a must win for Georgia. So if you go to, for my money, the, the, the Bible on who's going to make the tournament and how – 
uh, it, it, Georgia would be number 10, and they would be outside looking in. There are nine teams right now that Lenardi has in. Mississippi State is the last one in. Carolina right now is a five seed. You might have already covered all this. But, yeah. uh, but Georgia is really the only other team that has a chance. Nine are in. Georgia would be the 10th. And then 11 through 14, it's almost impossible to find a path outside of winning the conference tournament. So uh, Georgia is, is now in what you would call desperation mode, I guess. Uh, but they still have a chance. Uh, and they've got at Arkansas and then at home against Florida, which will be two very challenging games for sure. What do you think's happened with Arkansas? You know, they beat Duke at home. They stormed the court. They look really, really strong <clears throat> in November. That's why, you know, November, December can be a little misleading. What has happened to them since that point? Never underestimate chemistry, and I don't think it's there. Mm. Um, and I, I can tell you, the I've only had Arkansas once this year, and you know we go to we go to practice shoot around the day before day of, and the coach will come over and he'll have a chat with us and we'll ask a few questions and kind of get a little background uh, on some stuff. This was a classic case of Eric Musselman came over, and I've dealt with Eric Musselman for whatever six years, however long he's been in Fayetteville, and he's always cordial, but he's not the most. Uh, giving in terms of information guy, you know, he'll give you a few answers, then you'll be on your way. Sat there for 30 minutes and it was, I felt like a therapy session. Mm. I felt like I was Dr. Phil. He just, he said, let me tell you about this, that, and the other, uh, all the things that are wrong, all, all the things that could have gone better in recruiting, um, life without a point guard, which is almost impossible to win. If you notice this year in the SEC and you go down one through 10, the point guards in this league, it's unbelievable. It really is. I, I mean, it is a stacked group. But I'll tell you something Eric Musselman said. He said, point blank, if I had to pick a player of the year in the league, to me there's there's no one more valuable than Talon Cooper. That's a quote from Eric Musselman, the Arkansas coach. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, he, has, he has no reason to say that other than he's just incredibly impressed with what Talon Cooper has done, and he's speaking as a coach that – has a lot of talent, yes, but does not have a true point guard. And then we'll skip over Vanderbilt. They've been a disappointment. You know, they just gave Jerry Stackhouse, uh, I think, a new contract in the offseason, uh, rewarding him for what they thought was upward movement, but that hasn't been the case. But then there's Missouri, which, you know, they're at the very bottom. They're 0-10 in the league in their second year with their coach, who, who did fine last year, and they kind of had hopes up that the – uh, that would continue, but that has not been the case for them this year. Yeah, I did not have a winless Missouri team in mid-February on my bingo card. Yeah, um, I, I just did not see that. I don't think anybody did. Remember, Carolina was picked dead last. Missouri was picked, I don't know, fifth or sixth when you and I were in Birmingham, uh, however many months ago that was. Uh, yeah, they, they, I don't think people – truly understood how much they would miss Kobe Brown and Des Moines Hodge. Uh, those two players just meant so much to that team. Those are two pro-type guys, and they don't have anything like that right now. Now, help is coming because their recruiting class next year is going to be one of the best they've had there uh, in a while. But for right now, they just don't have the talent. 
team that made the second round of the tournament last year as a number seven seed. They beat Utah State, then lost to Princeton. So, you know, it, that's what ha- I mean. And, and, you know, South Carolina's having that, that great year this year. We'll see how far the Gamecocks go. What you'd like, of course, as a fan base is some consistency. You don't want to be on that roller coaster where you're great one year or, or really, really good. You're a factor, and then you drop drop off the planet the next year. That's I think one of the challenges for Lamont Paris, and maybe the fact that they had a a bad first year. You know, didn't do anything in his first year, picked it up in year number two, and if enough good players come back and he's adding some good players through recruiting, maybe they can build a little something here, something consecutively in terms of postseason play, NCAA tournament play, something they really haven't had. At South Carolina, I mean, what Eddie Fogler took him to back-to-back tournaments. Uh, Frank McGuire, of course, took him to uh, a few tournaments in a row. But outside of that, it's just been hit and miss. Right, and and the two years that Eddie got there, they got bounced in the first round as a two and three seed, yeah. and that really set the tone for the rest of that tenure. Frank goes to a Final Four, and then never goes back. Might have been an NIT somewhere in there, but for the most part, no postseason success. You know, for for multiple generations of fans, that's all they know is just a blip here and there and no consistency of winning. And I I really think that's going to change with Lamont. I just think the way he's doing it, number one, the guy can flat-out coach, but, but the way he's building rosters, and you look at who he's already got coming in, and you follow it more than anybody else, but I just saw one of those kids just got elevated from a three-star to a four-star, uh, and, and and that's already combined with the, the guard who's kind of a flashy uh, point guard who's lighting it up in overtime elite. And then he's going to hit the portal, and he's going to get, uh, as you well know, Phil, this is a program, and I would put Clemson in the same sentence, they're not going to get a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans. They're not going to get uh, top ten recruiting classes on the regular. But what you have to do is be creative, find those three stars that turn into really good players. Remember, Murray Boyles was not recruited by Carolina or Clemson, was not offered a scholarship. He goes to Utah for his final year in high school, develops, turns into a four-star. At that point, everybody wants him, but Lamont Paris already got him because he saw talent before it truly blossomed. That's the kind of creative recruiting you have to have. And the other thing that they have is the portal. And they're going to get guys in the portal uh, that are going to be productive. Without the portal, there's no way Carolina is the 15th-ranked team in the country. But with the portal, uh, they're going to be able to continually restock their roster, develop players, and, again, have good coaching. And I think that's the recipe. I think it's, it's a recipe that will have staying power, unlike what we've seen in the past. You mentioned uh, Clemson briefly your reaction when you saw what they did in Chapel Hill against a, an excellent North Carolina team coming off a win over Duke, a North Carolina team that had no reason to overlook Clemson. They had a lot to play for in terms of just maintaining uh, their their record in the ACC, their overall standing, and Clemson just flat went up there and took that game from them. Yeah, like if, if it was at Little John, I'd say, well, that's just college basketball. One good team – beating a slightly better team, but the fact that they did it in Chapel Hill, that's the story. And we know that's only happened one other time in the history of those meetings in the ACC. So uh, obviously, you know, that is the 
the clincher, if you will. I know there's a lot of games to be played, but they're going to the tournament, and, and they've got a chance if they finish strong to be a pretty high seed. I mean, the fact that we're talking about Carolina and Clemson being five, six, seven seeds in the tournament in the same year, you know, you got to go back to Fogler and Rick Barnes when they had it rolling for a time at those respective uh, schools. So it, it's awfully refreshing. Uh, you know, for it took about 25 years, but you, you've got a rebirth of, of both those programs. I realize Clemson's had some pockets of success before this, but it's rare to see both programs having this type of year during the same season. Visiting with uh, Mike Morgan a couple more minutes uh, off the topic of basketball onto some other stuff. Um, Carson Beck, Georgia quarterback, just purchased a Lamborghini. I'm, I'm wondering, did he get it from the same dealership you got your Lamborghini, or you know, was his? Did he buy from Atlanta or in Athens? Did y'all talk? Did you give him some advice on where to find a Lamborghini? Well, I'm a love Chevy guy, as you know, and uh, Ben Hoover, <laughs> our fearless leader at Love Chevy, can tell you that's all I need. I don't need some fancy sports car mm. to make up for some deficiencies elsewhere. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, I mean, it kind of gives you an idea of where the NIL money is right now. Uh, <laughs> and now you don't have to hide those kind of things. Remember yep. where there's a time where <laughs> college kids were getting sports cars uh, under the table and you had to you had to go ahead and put it in mom's name or some uncle somewhere. Uh, that Those days are done, and uh, you're going to hear more and more stories, especially when the average SEC starting quarterback is getting roughly $1.5 million in NIL money. Oof. Yeah, I tell you, uh, what you make of – are you following what happened up at Dartmouth with the NLRB and, you know, the ruling that the basketball players up there, even though they're not even on scholarship, they are employees – um, and, and thus, uh, you know, the, the feeling is that's going to trickle, not trickle, probably cascade across the country, uh, as more, uh, decisions, legal decisions are made. And I mean, that's where we're headed with these, these athletes to be full, full fledged employees of the schools they play for. Yeah. I, and perhaps I'm just not smart enough to understand if, if what happens at Dartmouth is really going to extrapolate to what happens with the conferences like the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten, I, I think what's more significant is Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti of the two clearly most powerful conferences in the land joining forces and basically saying to the NCAA and everybody else, you guys don't run anything. You rent, we own, hmm. and we are going to go ahead and run the sport our way. We are no longer going to take cues from what you think uh, the way it should be run, which has been outdated now for several years. So I think that's going to move the needle far more than anything that's going on at an Ivy League school. Yet Sankey was quoted as saying um, on the Feinbaum show the other day after that meeting or the first of the meetings, like, hey, I don't have the answers. He says, don't look at me for all the answers. Uh, we're just sort of kicking right. things around and trying to, to come up with stuff. But I, to going back to the Dartmouth thing, I hear what you're saying. But if the courts rule, you know, across the country, this was a regional NLRB ruling, but if, if that spreads and the courts end up ruling that you have to treat the athletes in college as employees and pay them as such and everything that goes along with being an employee with W-2s and vacation time and, you know, and, and, they, and they form unions and then negotiate what they want in the workspace – 
it's going to be a whole different world out there from a college athletic standpoint. Uh, well, it already is a whole different world, but but yes, I, I mean that would obviously uh, be a next level change. And and my response to that would be for a lot of the college athletes now, be careful what you wish for, because that with that comes contracts where you have to honor them, not just bail in the portal whenever you feel like it. You know, grab the grab the bag and then just go somewhere else. Uh, with that comes paying taxes. Uh, in a more formalized way, you know, with that comes a lot of other responsibilities that the real world has to deal with. And uh, like I said, I mean, the goose is pretty good right now for the, for these young men and women. I don't know if I would get a, too greedy and start asking for that level because that level may sound better on the surface, but I'm not sure if it's a if it's a net gain if we head to that point for the college athletes. I think. In a lot of ways, some of these universities are almost at the point where they'd rather have that and, and, and have a little more structure because right now it's the wild, wild west. Yeah. Last thing, we'll let you go. Assuming South Carolina wins over Vandy and, uh, and Auburn takes care of their business on Saturday. Let's see. Auburn on Saturday is um, playing oh, at Florida. they got to go to Florida. Well, regardless, South Carolina will play at Auburn. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, do you know if you'll be on that call, number one? Number two, uh, the atmosphere on television looks unbelievably off the charts there. What what kind of atmosphere can the Gamecock basketball team expect to see at Auburn? Okay. Uh, a, no, uh, don't have that one. B, have done several games there, including a couple this year. Uh, it's a very small gym. You know, it's about 9,000 people, but they pack it. The, the fans are right on top of you, and the student section, which always sits right behind us, is as loud as any I go any arena I go to in the country. And that's all Bruce Pearl. That is all Bruce Pearl. Auburn was one of the worst environments to uh, play a basketball game, broadcast a basketball game, anything. And Bruce has turned that around into one of the best. So it will be loud, rowdy. Hmm. Uh, all this, you know, when you've got a number 15 next to your name, as Carolina does now, that, that just gives a little more ammo for the fans. They're engaged now. It's not, it's not exactly a natural rivalry. It's not Kentucky. It's not Tennessee. Uh, but it's a top 20 team. And so you've got their attention. And I, I would, uh, I don't know if this will translate well on TV, but it will be incredibly loud in that building. Yeah. Mike Morgan with us here on Sports Talk. Last week with a bonus sponsor being the entirety of the Bourbon Trail. This week being Love Chevrolet, it sounds like. And uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Shifting gears real quick, but got to get one football question in for you. We talked off yeah. air briefly about this with yesterday being National Signing Day. Your thoughts, earlier Phil and I got into a, a nice little debate about if would you rather take a highly regarded five-star freshman coming in, even if it's a potential can't-miss prospect, or a fifth or sixth year guy in the transfer portal at the same position, who of course has now been through the rigors for a few years. Do you hold either of them above the other, or what are your thoughts on that comparison? I think in basketball, older is better. I would I would take you know for example last year G.G. Jackson. I mean he's already in the NBA. He didn't help you win a whole lot of games. Uh, it's it's a bunch of 23-year-old, 50-year guys that are winning you games now and a couple of talented freshmen as well and sophomores. 
Um, you know, in football, it might be a little bit different. You know, if, if you've got a Jadavion Clowney, for example, versus a guy that's been around for five years but would never have the natural talent of a Clowney, well, then I'll rather take the Clowney. So it really depends uh, on the player, the position, and uh, just how advanced they are. All right, Mike. Nice trip out to Arkansas. I remember the uh, the fans out at Arkansas, they always greet you warmly. They remember you well. So I don't know when you're doing the ESPN broadcast when, and Arkansas loses, if you ever say something like, put that in your pipe and smoke it, hmm. Arkansas. Doubt you can say that on the ESPN broadcast. Yeah, I don't think I'll be using that, uh, nor do I think anybody remembers that from 21 years ago other than you. <laughs> oh, I remember it well. I remember it I so well. Do. Put that in your pipe you and smoke it, Arkansas, because you had a bunch of rowdy there, fans right beneath you, right? Well, they were talking into my crowd mic and using obscenities. Yeah, we, can't just, we can't have that. That's an FCC violation. Now, I don't know what goes on on your rowdy show, but yeah. we were trying to run a clean program back on our – baseball broadcast back in the day yeah. so try to keep it you know family friendly whereas you know you're running like a i don't know some type of rowdy roadhouse type joint where patrick swayze is beating up people outside and you got <laughs> girls dancing on tables i don't know what kind of operation you have but you're going to be shut down and lose your liquor license if you keep that up as the producer sometimes i'm just i'm just sitting there sweating bullets with my hand on the dump button you know we're just wild and crazy guys <laughs> what should. can i tell you yes wild and crazy true all right. You guys, enjoyed it. Hey, same here. Have a good trip. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you next week. Okay. There Take you care. go. All right. Mike Morgan, as always, Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Over at USC, the CLA, they are into the second quarter, and South Carolina having their way with Missouri is 23-10. to 10. Gamecocks are shooting 45%. They are uh, – outscoring Missouri 14 to nothing in the paint. So they're continuing to do their stuff inside. Now it's 25 to 10 and the Gamecocks are being led by Full Wiley with 9 and Kitts has 8 and she's 4 of 5 from the floor, got a couple of rebounds and um Gamecocks are only 1 of 4 from 3. So uh Nothing to write home about there. So the Gamecocks off to a comfortable 25-12 lead on Missouri. A little bit different because I think in recent games they've actually had some tight first quarters with opponents. And then the second quarter they, you know, pulled away. Uh, this case they they opened up with a first quarter lead of 21-10. to Now they lead it 27-12. to Okay, we'll come back after the break. Might take a phone call or two. We got recruiting coming up. And our interview with Gilbert Edmond of uh, South Carolina. Gamecocks made their transfer players available today in two different sessions. In gaggle form, which means uh, you could do some one-on-ones, and that's what we did. We did seven of them, and we'll bring those to you over the next couple of weeks. Be right back. All right, a couple of things. Matt Zenitz from 24-7 Sports reporting that Illinois is targeting South Carolina's Justin Stepp for the receivers coach. Stepp has coached at South Carolina, of course, most recently. He coached uh, Juice Wells, Xavier Leggett. He also has coached Traylon Burks and Cortland Sutton when he was at Arkansas and SMU. So 
there you go with that. I'm sure that's not something that uh, Shane Beamer wants to entertain, losing a top-flight assistant coach, but that could that could be the case if he wants to stay coaching receivers, which has been his background, versus coaching tight ends. Also, Artavis Scott, who's been a GA at Clemson, the former standout Tiger receiver, NFL receiver, he tweeted out that he's leaving Clemson. I'm guessing that maybe his um, GA time is up there at Clemson. He last was in professional football in 21 in Canada. So I guess he's been at Clemson for maybe a couple years, and it's up. I don't see where he's going anywhere, has a new job or anything, nothing to indicate that. But he did tweet out that he's saying goodbye to Clemson from the standpoint of being a, a GA. And then this little interesting flare-up between Georgia and Kirk Herbstreet. So according to the father of Dylan Rayola, that highly acclaimed quarterback who originally committed to um, – Georgia, and then flipped to Nebraska. And the father of the player was on a broadcast on signing day. He was on a Rivals broadcast, and he said during the broadcast, he claimed that um, he had a conversation with Herbstreet about Nebraska and about his son possibly – flipping to Nebraska from Georgia. And Dominique Rayola said he got a phone call from Herbstreet who said, hey, dude, is this true? He's got to do it. Hmm. And so Rayola said on the broadcast that, hey, for a guy like that to tell me and get behind me, I knew, I knew he needed to do it, but I wasn't going to sit here and say, you need to change that place or be a part of the change of that place. And, of course, now Feinbaum goes on – I'm sorry, Herbstreet goes on the Feinbaum show and denies saying that he uh, pushed the kid to or suggested the kid go to Nebraska. All he said that he said was Matt Rule's a good coach. He likes Matt Rule, thinks he's a good coach. So that's a pretty far distance from what the father says was said. Yeah, and here's a, another quote about it saying, quote, basically they were talking kind of father to father. Kirk's had a few sons play college football as well, and they're talking about the whole process. And basically, according to Kirk, Dom was asking, quote, hey, how much should I talk about the possibility of if you go to Nebraska, you could be a program changer. You could be a difference maker. You could be a legend if you wind up helping bring this program back to where it wants to be. And Kirk, who was complimentary of Matt Rule, the Nebraska coach, and Georgia coach Kirby Smart in this whole situation said, quote, well, yeah, that would be cool. Like, it would be cool if he could do that, end quote. And that's pretty much where it was, which is not the same thing as go to Nebraska. So Kirk Herbstreit has pushed back a little bit uh, so that's against his the quote. father's retelling. That's correct. That's, that's his Kirk quote. Herbstreit's quote. Apologies, yeah. I should have said that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, Dad's saying one thing. He's saying another. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. That does, though, then beg the question, though, with the responsibility of folks in the objective media, <laughs> whether you're supposed, yeah, no, yeah, objective, whether you're supposed to or not supposed to get involved with things like that, which could potentially sway a young person's decision whether to go to school A, school B, or school C. Yeah. Um, what's interesting here is Dominique Rayola said that Herb Street called him. In December, when there was smoke about his son flipping from Georgia to Nebraska. So he's saying that Herbstreet initiated the whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that if you're Herbstreet? You got no dog in this fight. No uh, no pun intended. Right. You got no dog in this fight. 
right? It's not your sons involved or anything like that, unless you just, you know, you, you have this friendship with Matt Rule and you want to help Matt Rule out or something. I, I don't know. If you believe what Dominique Rayola, why would Dominique Rayola make it up? You know, why would he lie about it? Yeah, so. Andy Staples with On3 said also when he was talking to Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet about it, that Kirk explained that he has a an ongoing and multiple year now relationship with the father, Dominic Riola, that they know each other, they've talked plenty of times before, and that they were having a conversation, conversation about Dylan's recruitment. So it does sound like they've had a relationship. This is all speculation here, but can't help but wonder if it's maybe as a part of game day. We've heard about Rayola's name for several years now as a prized high school recruit. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did some interviews along the way and got to know each other. Not, not oh, really I'm quite sure. sure. I'm sure. Um, but again, why would the father say what he did? Right. You know, just make that up and, and kind of hang uh, Herb Street out to dry as far as the Georgia fans are concerned. All right. Uh, updating the USC women's game tonight at home against Missouri. And let's see, the Gamecocks uh, were, were leading big, and they're still up big, 39-21, 2.54 to go in the half. Let's go to Jamie in uh, Hilton Head. Jamie, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Good evening. How are y'all? Hey, we're doing fine. Thanks for waiting. Listen, I, I heard your interview with um, um, Mike, um, Mike, what's his name? Morgan. Mike, Mike Morgan. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, and he he said that uh, Clemson was a was going to the NCAA tournament. I kind of I mean they're in a good position, but I still think there's work to do. What do you think Clemson has to do at a bare minimum to go to the tournament? I think they have to at least go probably six and three. Um, and if not, is this the year they finally move on from Brownell? You know, hmm. um, because there's some there's some good candidates out there. You know, I just I, it's a it's a never ending cycle. Well, we you know we said before the North Carolina game, we kind of thought that they might need to run the table, which we thought was ridiculous, mm-hmm. beginning with North Carolina. Then they go up and beat North Carolina. Now they got to go play Syracuse. Syracuse scored a two-point win over Louisville the other night. Uh, that's going to be okay. up at the dome, and uh, you know that'll be that'll be a, a test. Uh, but I think if Clemson plays like they did against North Carolina, they can beat Syracuse. If they play like they yeah. did against North Carolina, they can run the table. Because yeah, but the the North schedule, Carolina, the, North, North Carolina overlooked Clemson yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, they had no, they might not have had no reason to, but they're kids. Maybe they did. They did the way they came out you know? and played early on. I mean, they obviously were were not ready to go mentally, and Clemson took it to them and built that big early lead. But you look at the rest of the schedule. The four home games are all very winnable: Miami and State, and Florida State and Pittsburgh. And then a road game at Syracuse, winnable. A road game at Georgia Tech, winnable. A road game at Notre Dame, crazy if you don't win that. A home game with Syracuse should win. And then a a game at Wake Forest. So, really, if you look at it objectively with an open mind, yes, Clemson could run the table if they play like they did the other night. If they're getting the great shooting from Gerard like they got the other night, and P.J. Hall's going to give you what he gives you every night, and Shefflin's going to give you a double-double. And then if the if the supporting cast plays well, and it looks like Clark's going to get more and more playing time, uh, and he was helpful the other night, they, they continue to get contributions off the bench, they're going to be fine. I, I think they've got a chance to win enough games to get into the tournament. Their strength of schedule is good. Their 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 uh, net is improving by the night, <laughs> even when they're not playing. So right. I think they I think they can still get in. Absolutely. 
Well, I mean, what I'm, but what I'm, yeah, they're in a position they could get in absolutely. But what I'm saying is, what did they have to do, in your opinion, to do that? Well, I mean, shoot, after what happened to them last year, who knows? You know, how many wins yeah. did they have last year and didn't get in? Right now, uh, the projections what, what, are like the ACC is only going to have maybe four teams tops, might be three. Right. So. Right. Right. And you North know, Carolina one of them's going to be North, North Carolina, and one of them's going to be Duke. And they were twenty-three and ten was uh, yeah. prior to that. And loss how many in the league NIT wins? Fourteen league wins. Fourteen last? and six in the SEC. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, that's just mind-boggling from last year. So mm-hmm. to say that fourteen was not enough last year, and they're only sitting on five right now. You know, they've already right. they've already lost as many games this year in the league that they lost all of last year. So right. One more loss is going to guarantee they'll be, they, you know, worse than they were last year in the league. Do you think they could get kind of a uh, not sympathy, but kind of a um, make-up vote? No. Well, they got left no. out last There's year. no sympathy. Have, There's no sympathy in in committees. Right. There's no sympathy. I, I, I just, I mean, but what I mean, I mean, I think if they was to go four and five, or even five and or five and four, I think they're in danger. You know. I think they yeah, would have to make I, some noise in the ACC tournament. But what I think you, they I can. Mean, I think they can do. I think they can do better than that. I really do. Okay. All right, gotta go. What I'm asking. Yeah, real quick. All right. Real quick. Go what ahead. I'm asking. What do you think is the magic number they have to do? That's what I'm trying to get. Well, out of. and what I'm trying to tell you is, 14 league wins and 23 overall wins last year was not enough. So, right. I, I don't know what the magic number is this year because. Okay. You know, their best season ever in the ACC last year did not get them in. And the ACC apparently is in no better position than it was last year in terms of getting teams in. Because only how many teams from the league made it last year? Uh, North Carolina, Virginia. North Carolina, Virginia. uh, NC State got in. So they had like what? Duke then, I guess, and four. Four. Either four or five probably max. Don't remember offhand. And right now, so Clemson currently sits eighth in the ACC Lunardi, he updated after the the win over North Carolina the other day and had Clemson as the third highest projected seed in the NCAA tournament out of the conference as a seven seed. And they were the number 26 ranked team overall that he thought uh, in the projections. And he had them, he had Clemson ahead of UVA, who had just beaten the Tigers in Clemson, but UVA was a nine seed. So that was as of just a couple of days ago, Lunardi had Clemson in uh, uh, as a seven seed. So you got to think if they just maintain and go, what six and three, maybe seven and two, you would think they would get in. But to Phil's point, after what we saw last year, who knows? Five ACC teams made it last year. Uh, right. They were Duke, Miami, NC State, Pitt, and Virginia. North Carolina, that's right. North Carolina didn't make it last year. Remember, they turned down the NIT as well. We got to run. Thank you very much. Appreciate appreciate the phone call. Uh, before we go to the break, I want to go to the interview with Gilbert Edmund. Uh, stay on schedule here tonight, and then we'll come back after the break with recruiting. Had a chance to talk with Gilbert Edmund this morning, South Carolina transfer defensive end, uh, as he's made the transfer from uh, Florida State to uh, South Carolina to finish up his uh, career. And uh, we're going to get to that interview here in just a second as soon as I put it. I didn't put it in the box, did I? Okay. Well, I tell you what, let's take that break. Let's take the break, and then we'll come back and hear from Gilber. I thought I'd put that in the old transfer box, but did not do it. So we'll hit the break. We'll come back with Gilber, and we'll come back after that with recruiting to wrap things up tonight here on Sports Talk. Tomorrow night, we'll have uh, George Bryan with us, talk more about golf. Things are happening now 
on the golf scene with the college golf season opened up. Clemson got a win this week. South Carolina beat Wake Forest, won a tournament the women did. USC men have their first event coming up this weekend. Talk about that with George tomorrow night. Be right back. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. This is Major Billy Downer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is right around the corner here in the Palmetto State. As you get ready for this spring and summer, make sure your registration sticker is up to date and you have a copy of your registration card on board your boat. For more information on boat registration and answers to common questions, visit dnr.sc.gov. And no, Major Downer did not record that spot from his bathtub or anything like that. Just great um, sound effects that we put in there. All right. Uh, Adam Rittenberg of ESPN uh, reported just a couple of minutes ago that Illinois is, has hired uh, Justin Stepp from South Carolina to be their new uh, wide receivers coach. Uh, He coached wide receivers the past three seasons before shifting to tight ends, as we know. He also has worked with uh, Illini OC Barry Lunny. Uh, is it Lunny or Looney? Barry Lunny Jr. when they were at Arkansas. So Justin Stepp leaving South Carolina. You know, a uh, couple, of, couple of things there. You know, on the one hand, 
I had to believe, I don't, I'm just drawing my own conclusion. I had to believe it. He couldn't be real happy about moving from wide receiver to tight ends. I mean, maybe he was fine with that. But then again, there was a desire to stay uh, in Columbia and stay in the state, but now a chance to go coach wide receivers and work with somebody that he's worked with before obviously turned out to be too good to turn down. All right, earlier today we had a chance to talk to Gilbert Edmond, USC edge rusher, formerly from USC, went to Florida State, came back home. Here's our conversation. How are you different this time around from uh, when you were here before you went to Florida State? Um, I feel like the difference would be just like me growing as a player, me uh, being becoming more mature, uh, trying to embody that like older guy role and stuff like that, being an older guy on the team and like trying to bring on the young guys and me, like you said, like being familiar with this, like knowing how it's done. We got we do have a bunch of young guys, so like trying to lead them in the direction of like how Coach Beamer wants things to like be handled and stuff like that. So that's how it's been so far. You left, had some family things going on. You wanted to be closer to family down there in Florida, so you go to Florida State and spend some time there, and, and now you come back. What was that experience like for you dealing with college, work, and football and your, your family situations? Um, how did that mature you while you were down there? Um, I feel like I've grown a lot from it. Just, you know what I'm saying, just I feel like maturity comes with, like, trials and tribulations, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like it wasn't technically like a – not being at Florida State wasn't the trial and tribulation. I did enjoy my time there, but it just, you know what I'm saying, it just – it was one of those things where you just had to learn, and you know what I'm saying, like just learn things about yourself basically, you know what I'm saying, like – or and going through those tough times like I like I was with, like, my family or like there's a situation or, you know what I'm saying, the football – having the ups and downs that were going on over there, like, you know what I'm saying, like being left out of the college football playoffs, but going 13-0 and and stuff like that. It was just like, I feel like I've grown, I've experienced a lot and I've grown a lot from it, you know what I'm saying? How did it feel to you that when you reached out to South Carolina, you reached out to Coach Beamer, and they were willing to open their arms and bring you back, and, and he ran it through the team, he ran it through the leaders, and they were all on board with that. How did that make you feel to know that you were wanted to, back here at South Carolina? Um, yeah, um, kind of how I felt was just like, you know, I felt the sense of like, you know what I'm saying, just happiness, you know what I'm saying, knowing that I, that means I did a good job of like leaving a good mark or a, leaving a good face on the team and stuff like that. Was, and some of those guys, some of those uh, dudes that he talked to, those are like my guys who I came in with and stuff like that, like Boogie and like a bunch of those other guys. So it was like, you know what I'm saying, like just knowing that they had my back like that and like the the coaches' staff and, like, the, the staff in general, like, just, like, people throughout the building, knowing that they had my back on that. Coach Beamer himself, it was just, like, a, a overall generally a good feeling. Will fans notice anything really different about you as a player when they see you on the field? Um, I feel like I've matured a lot, so I feel like I'm being able to play faster, you know what I'm saying, make a lot more plays, and, you know what I'm saying, just – Overall, become a better pass rusher than I was. Like, that was something I wanted to improve on, and I feel like I have improved on. So, just being an overall better, like, more round defensive end, outside linebacker type, you know what I'm saying? Being fast, quick, twitchy, and, you know what I'm saying, being able to make those plays, that I feel like that's something I've improved on. You feel like during your time at South Carolina, you did develop as a player. I mean, you sort of worked your way up the ranks to where you were a starter at the time that you, uh, you ended up transferring. And then at, at Florida State, of course, you played there as well. So you feel like you've come a long way from your early days at South Carolina? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's, been a, it's been a long journey, but I, I've enjoyed every moment of it. You know what I'm saying? Just like coming in and 
them giving me a chance out of high school, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't the most highly recruited person and stuff like that. Uh, Mike Peterson and uh, Coach Muschamp, T-Rob, them all giving me a chance to come here and, like, you know what I'm saying, be a part of the this program and being a part of the SEC. Like, that was a blessing, and then I never took that for granted. And, you know what I'm saying, like, the journey along the way, I, I, I enjoyed every every moment of it up until now. I'm still enjoying it. What do you make of the, the group of defensive ends that you'll be competing with, working alongside in the meeting room? How, how talented is this group? Oh, man, those guys are, are – they're the real deal, you know what I'm saying? We got experienced guys in Kyle Kennard and then like rest of the guys that um, were here prior in the prior in the previous year. And then you got new guys like Dylan Stewart, whose athleticism is off the charts, you know what I'm saying? Even being so young and having so much potential. And then me bringing in my own experiences and my uh, skill base, I feel like it'll be a whole new look for um, – we have something to bring to the defense this year, and I, and I, and I do feel strongly in that. We – we will, like, uphold, you know what I'm saying, a standard that we want to be, like, a, that group on the, de- in the, on the defense and stuff like that. So I feel like we have, the, we have the opportunity to do it now. We just have to work and make it come true. You know How's the connection been with Coach Lucas? Uh, how do you like his coaching style? How do you like what he kind of brings to the table as a defensive ends coach? Um, coach Lucas is, you know what I'm saying, like, he's the real deal as well, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's a pro type of coach, you know what I'm saying? He coached pros and – that's how he treats us. He and that's the that's what he expects of us to be pros when it when when it comes to like the little things and stuff like that. And him giving us that type of like coaching style, where like you know, what I'm saying this is how it's gonna be. Like this is how you need to go about things and stuff like that. Um, those are stuff that I look forward to coming in and like learning from him and stuff like that. And his overall coaching style, he's like you know, what I'm saying he, he he'll he'll get on you, but you know, what I'm saying he'll love you hard too and. You'll get better because of it. So I have to look forward to looking to getting back to that. All right, Gilbert Edmond, South Carolina defensive end. We'll hear more from those Gamecock transfers over the next couple of weeks. Now time for recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Don't forget, a roast beef Friday awaits you tomorrow at Seawells from 11 to 2. Best daily luncheon buffet you'll find anywhere. And the best in catering is Seawells. Their phone number is 803-771-7385. Clemson's in the mix with cornerback Martell's Carter Jr., 5'11", 179, from Paducah, Kentucky. Over 40 offers for him, many of the big names all across the country. He was at Clemson for the spring game last year, and he was back for the Notre Dame game, and the Tigers offered him last year, and they've stayed on him. Mickey Kahn has been recruiting him primarily for the Tigers. What he likes is that Clemson does not take transfers. That's one thing that stands out to him. And he likes the uh, the culture at Clemson, the family feeling, really likes Mickey Kahn. So the Tigers are in it uh, with him right now. And it would also appear that Oregon and Kentucky are strong with him. He was at Kentucky the last weekend before it went dead. He goes to Oregon in March for three days. He's going to go to Clemson for a spring practice or two near the end of March. Cutter Woods, quarterback from Westside High, was offered by Auburn today as his offer list continues to mushroom. He recently picked up Indiana as well. He's also got Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, Syracuse, East Carolina, among others. Offensive tackle David Sanders of Charlotte in an interview with rivals included Clemson among the schools that he will visit this spring and summer. He also said Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan. 
2026 offensive tackle Ikeni Oboko of Garner, North Carolina, plans to attend the Clemson Junior Day March 9th. USC offered offensive lineman Atom Mattel from Millipitas, California. Indian Land offensive tackle Jacob Recker, Gaffney running back Amazing Little John, and safety Jackson Berger of Fort Mill all accepted PWO offers from South Carolina. That'll do it. And thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.